Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Today will be a little bit different Sunday. It's what we call Vision Sunday. And, and uh, uh, let me just say this. Uh, normally, if you came into our service, you might be a guest or visitor. Normally, when you come into our service, man, when we get to the message, we all stand and we read the Word of God and then we study the Word of God and we, we try to understand the Word of God. We try to apply the Word of God. And we say, how does this fit in this area, in this little dot of the world in the year 2022 and 23? What does it mean in your life? What does it mean in my life? How do we apply that? And today is a slightly different today because today is what we call Vision Sunday. And, and a Vision Sunday, listen, I'm saying this will be very helpful for all of us. If you're a visitor, you're first timer, you're checking out, if you're a long timer, it's gonna really help. Um, I would say this, that this is the time of year where you know that, that the first year everybody has such New Year's resolutions and we all set goals and, and that's what we do. And really when we make resolutions and when we set goals, what we're really doing is we're saying this, this is where I'm at right now. And at the end of the year, this is kind of where I'd like to be, right? For most Americans, this is what I weigh. And at the end of the year, this is what I would like to weigh. Isn't it, right? I mean, it's like, you know, here's my financial situation right now at the end of the year. This is where I'd like my financial situation to be. This is where I'm working right now. This is where I'm at relationally right now. This is where I'd like to be at the end of the year. And, and that's kind of what we do. We set these goals and, and, and we do all that. And, and, and we've been doing this our whole life. You, you, you forget this. Little kids do this. I mean, we, we all have some kind of a mission, some kind of vision. Little kids don't call it a mission to vision. Little kids call it daydreaming. And little kids say, when I grow up, I'd like to be a, you name it, right? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be an attorney. I want to be whatever. And then these, these kind of, these missions that they set out, these goals, they kind of guide their behavior. About 25 years ago, I have a good buddy. We went to college together. And about 25 years ago, I ran into him somewhere and he had his firstborn with him. And his firstborn was about three years old, you know, and, and he kind of talks, but he doesn't kind of talk. And, and it's about the middle of October. And I see them I'm like, hey, man, great to see you guys. And their little, their little boy's name, Ben, they said, hey, Ben, tell Neil what you want to be for Halloween. Tell him what you're going to be. And he said what all little boys say, you know, I'm going to be a, yeah, a backhoe driver is what he said. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't even know. <laughs> I barely know what a backhoe is, you know. Today, 25 years later, he's very successful and he owns his own landscape business. Like having that kind of a mission and a vision guided him. Now, it doesn't work out that way for all little kids, but I'm saying when we kind of have this mission and this vision, it kind of, it kind of guides us and it guides our behaviors and at some point, it kind of defines us. And so we're gonna look at that today. What is our mission and what is our vision? Now, just so you know, mission and vision isn't a kid thing, it's not an adult thing, it's not a church thing. It, it's, it's rampant across the, you, you, listen, you know this, that a lot of corporations have mission statements. I'll give you some just for fun. See if you can tell me who this is. Here's one. Our mission is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Anybody know? That's Microsoft. That's Microsoft. That's their mission statement, and it guides how they, how they move and how they, how they function. Here's another one. To organize the world's information, make it universally accessible and useful. Anybody? It is. It is. It's Google. That's another one. Here's another one. This will be maybe just a little bit easier for you. To inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup. And one neighborhood at a time. 
Starbucks. I mean, that's their mission. And it, and, it, and it guides them. And so, listen, this is what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to look at today. Again, a slightly different service. I think it's every bit as important. Today, we're going to look at our mission we're gonna look at our vision, we're gonna look at our core values, and then what now? Now here's why I think this is so valuable. Because for those of you who are long timers at Cedar Valley, or you've been here at least a bit, it focuses us. What the heck are we doing here? Are we just going to service? Are y'all just putting on a show for us? Is that what we do? It's gonna remind us who we are. It's gonna define who we are. And here's what I will say if you're new to Cedar Valley or newer to Cedar Valley, and maybe it's not just that, maybe it's a little of everybody. It will clearly define us. And here's what we're about. We're really not about Cedar Valley Church. We're about the kingdom. We're about God's kingdom. We have a kingdom perspective. And so here's the deal. You'll find out very clearly about who we are and what we're about. And you may very well say, oh, that's not actually for me. Good, good. We're not everybody's church. We're not the church for everyone. We, we're not everybody's flavor. If it's not your flavor, go find your flavor and get busy. Get busy for the kingdom. We can't afford to have kingdom people sitting around just doing nothing. And so I would say, man, listen carefully, because at the end of service, if you go, ah, you seem normal, Neil, and that's all good and well, but, but this is, just isn't for me. Man, get moving. Find a church body that's for you. Plug in, get busy moving the kingdom. And so, just so you know this, every church has a mission. Now, not every church states their mission. They should. Like some have one they've never really thought about, and we're just kind of doing church. But every church has a mission, and no church gets to pick their mission. We don't pick our mission. We don't choose our mission. Our mission is mandated by the scripture. Every church should have the exact same mission mandated by the scripture. We just celebrated the birth of Christ, right? So we celebrated the birth and Jesus grew up, became a man at 30. He, he kind of went into active ministry for that last three years of his life. He had all his disciples and, and they were doing life together and he was raising them up, teaching them the word of God, showing them how it applied in life, revealing to them who he was, doing that whole thing. And then we forget this, right? Crucified, died, rose from the dead. Here's what we forget. After he rose from the dead, you know, he walked the earth for another 40 days. It's not like, mm, did he really come back? Oh, no, no. He walked the earth for 40 days, revealed himself. All of his disciples saw him. Witnesses all over the area, the known area at that time, saw him. At one point, over 500 people at one time saw him. And then toward the end of that, now the end of the 40 days is coming, and he's going to ascend back to the Father, where he now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And he told his disciples, hey, I want you to meet me at this very specific place in Galilee. I want you to meet me there. And so they all go to meet him there. Well, then Jesus came and tells the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. A very important statement. And here's why that's such an important statement. Because if you're the general in the army, if you're the general, when you tell a captain and you give the captain orders and the orders are supposed to be given to, to, to his privates underneath him, right, that captain then has the authority. The general has all authority. He gives orders to the captain. That captain's orders now carry weight. Jesus is saying, I have all authority. Therefore, I want you all to go and make disciples of all the nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I have all the authority. So I'm telling you, get busy. Go and make disciples. Further, he says, you should teach these new disciples. There's that word again. To obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. 
I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. As tough as things get, as tough as the mission is sometimes, just remember this, I'm with you. Here's the, here's the mission, you ready? Make disciples. It's really simple. This thing, now doing it is, is more of a challenge. But what is the mission? That's very simple. It's making disciples. Question, what's a disciple? Well, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a learner, someone who's learning. Jesus had his own 12 disciples. He had hundreds of disciples, but he had 12 that he worked very closely with. They were, he was continually teaching them the word of God. And what, is it like to what does it look like to live like Jesus? Right. That's what disciples are. When we disciple people, we teach the word of God, we apply it to life, and we say, here's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. It's an ongoing process. So here's the deal. You may be here this morning. You say, hey, I don't really call myself a follower of Jesus. You can still be a disciple because you're in process. You may have just received Christ and just made that decision. You are now a disciple still. And you may say, Neil, I'm 75 years old and I've been following Jesus for the last 60 years. Hopefully you're a disciple. You're still growing. It's a process and it's ongoing and it's ongoing. The, the mission is to make disciples. It's not to get people to make decisions. And I think sometimes in the church we forget that. Oh, just, just keep people to raise their hands and make, make decisions. No, it's not decisions. It's disciples. It's an ongoing process. Every church in the world should have the exact same mission. Now, we can say it different ways, right, as long as it still means making disciples. So, for example, this is ours. Our mission is leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be, on down the road. Haven't committed your life to Christ yet? Just committed your life to Christ? You've been following Jesus for years and years and years discipleship. We say it this way, leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Now, you hear all, and especially as you, you listen to the business world, purpose, mission, vision, what's what, what's what. So we're going to talk a little bit quickly about our vision and how that differs from mission. Now, the way that we define it is we simply say this, our mission is our purpose, What's our purpose? Make disciples, leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Our vision for us contextualizes our mission. So every church in the world ought to have the same mission. The vision for us contextualizes it. It's clear, it's, it's specific to us. Not every church would have the exact same vision. So let me show you the vision of Cedar Valley Church. The vision is what we dream of because visions are visual. We can see it as a picture. We dream of being a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church reflecting Jesus to our neighbors and the nations. This neighbors and nations thing is a big deal to us. So we want to reflect Jesus, meaning when people see, when they look at us, when they see our church in action, there ought to be a reflection and they ought to see Jesus. And we say this, neighbors and nations. So I think you've gotten this. Our community is very important to us. But you all don't live in this community. Great. We love that. Your neighbors, your neighbors ought to see a reflection of Jesus when they see you out and about in your yard, in your driveway, as you drive down the street, as you interact with them, as you go to school with them, right? As you go, your neighbors ought to see a reflection of Jesus. And then we say further, not just our neighbors. Remember in, in Acts chapter 1? Luke is the writer of Acts, and Luke is telling the story of Jesus, and he's with his disciples at one point, and, and uh, he's, he's recounting this. And uh, Jesus had already uh, raised from the dead, and he was just telling the disciples, hey, I want you all to hang out here in Jerusalem. I'm going to go away. I want you to hang out here in Jerusalem. 
And I want you to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Essentially is what he tells them. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will empower you. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, the primary function of the Holy Spirit is to empower us. He says, to be my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem. Okay? So that was the immediate area where he was talking. Like for us, I guess our Jerusalem would be this neighborhood right around the church. Then he said, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea. Jerusalem was a, a town, a, village, a city in, inside of Judea, the region. Then he says to Samaria, the next region up in Israel. And then he said to the outermost parts of the world. You understand how it just keeps spreading. It starts where you're at and it goes like this. Right, for us, neighbors and nations. It's the reason we do Kingdom Builders. And I'll talk about that just a little bit in the end. I'll give you an update because it was really exciting. Right? So we dream of being a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church reflecting Jesus to our neighbors and the nations. We say multi-generation. I love the fact that we're a multi-generational church. I love the fact that every month we have a seniors lunch. And I love the fact that you can walk right down there and you can go down Tiny Valley. And we're ministering to those kids. We have CC and Victoria and Tiny Valley. You know what they're great at? They're great at communicating the gospel in an age-appropriate manner. Pastor Ty is our pastor in Kids Church. You know what he's awesome at? Communicating the gospel of Jesus in an age-appropriate manner. This is why I say, don't bring your kids in here. If you bring your kids in here, that's fine. But you know what your kids say? First of all, that dude's unhappy and salty. Second of all, your kids learn this. Church is boring. That's what your kids learn. Because I'll put your kids to sleep. I promise you, they'll get bored. You put them in an age-appropriate setting, right? We want to be multi-generational. We want all generations here. If you're 100, we want you here. If you're still in the womb, you need to hear this, we want you here, <laughs> right? But we also say this, we're multi-ethnic. Listen, our community, if we're going to reach this community, our church has got to be multi-ethnic. Our church can't look like one group of people when our community is so amazingly diverse. That's how we're going to most. So I will just tell you this. If you're black, we want you here. If you're white, we want you here. If you're brown, we want you here. If you're plaid, we want you here. We want everybody here. We want all groups. We want all people. We want all backgrounds. And we, we work hard to try to make that happen. Now, Here's the thing, sometimes you say, oh, that's, that's in vogue right now. Like that's the fashion right now. It's very, it's very in vogue to be multi-generational. Just so you know this, this is not something we're doing to be trendy. This is not a trendy thing. John, the disciple of Jesus, we say Jesus' closest disciple, his closest friend, right? Then became one of the apostles. John was also one of the apostles. John wrote the gospel of John. He wrote the epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, toward the end. The very last book of the Bible he writes, and it's called the Revelation. And he's having a revelation. God has given him a revelation of what it's like in heaven. And so now John writes about that. John is going to tell us what's going on in heaven. And here's what he says. He says, and they, we'll come back to that. They were shouting. This is what's going on in heaven. They were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. He's telling us this. This is heaven. It's just worship. It's just worship. You thought last Sunday was good? Psst, nothing. It's just worship. 
It's 24-7. It's just constant worship of God. Now, the question becomes, who is this they that they're talking about? Well, he says this. I saw, this is the verse right before that. He's telling us these people are worshiping. Who are they? He says, well, I saw this great crowd. This crowd was so big, they were too much to count. Now he's going to give us the particulars of the crowd. This is heaven. I'm just telling you, this is what it's going to be like someday when we get to heaven. Yes, we're all going to be standing and we're all going to be worshiping and crying out to God. Who? Who? John is very intentional about this. He's very specific to tell us. He says, the people were from every nation, every tribe, every people group, and every language that's what heaven's going to look like. We think as a multi-ethnic church, we look more and more and more like heaven. That's what we want to be. That's our vision. We dream of it. We say that our vision is, is, is being the, the multi-ethnic. Like we, we dream of this. We dream of it. We see it in our heads. The multi-ethnic, multi-generational church reflecting Jesus to our neighbors and the nations. That's who we are. It's where we're headed. It defines the road for us. Every, time, every once in a while we go, ooh, wait, nope, that's not for us actually. We're not going to be the church for everybody. We don't do everything. We never will. No church does. Find one that you can get behind and have at it, right? So let me just, let me just clearly, a little more clearly define to you then our core values because this is what's important to us this is what we value and again this guides our behavior first and foremost we say this we worship God this is a place that we'll worship we think that's what heaven looks like we think that our God desires to be worshiped we believe that we were made to worship that's what we were designed for Matthew 22 says you must worship must 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 worship the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment. If we don't get the first one done, like, let's just back up. Let's just refocus. Let's get this first one down. So we'll always be a church of worship. We'll always worship God as the creator, as the sovereign one, as the all-powerful, as the almighty, as the holy one. We will worship God because of who he is. Second core value is this, teach and train. Teach and train. We say this, we're devoted to God's word. You know that if you're a regular here. First thing we do when we get to the message, we stand, we read God's word. Why? Because God reveals himself to us in his word. God shows us who he is. God is constantly revealing that. And so we say, well, we got to spend time in the word. I think you ought to be spending time in the word. I need to be spending time in the word. This is 2 Timothy. All of scripture, all of the Bible is inspired by God. I say this often. It's not just a bunch of dudes who got together and wrote a book. It's actually inspired by God. Men wrote it as they were inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true. How many of you know this today? That when people tell you that's my truth, how many of you know that their truth isn't the truth? Have you figured that one out? Just because it's your truth doesn't mean it's actually true. It's, the Bible shows us what's true. Helps us to realize what's wrong in our lives. Do you ever read the scripture and you're like, well, I got to work on that. Maybe, maybe I ought to work on that. Hopefully, right? It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. That's number two. Here's number three of our core values. Love and lead. We're going to love others as God loves us. That's different. The way that God loves looks different. 
This is John 13. Your love for, another, for one another, the way you love other people, that's what proves to the world that you are my disciples. It's not because we wear a bracelet. It's not because you got a fancy bumper sticker. It, it, it ain't because you wear some t-shirt that says something. That doesn't prove anything. What proves it is how we love one another. You know one of the greatest things that I love? People tell me that they visited the church. One of the things that I love more than anything is they go, I came in, I was visiting your church, and like people just came up and said hey to me. And they were really nice to me. People there were really friendly. Right on. That's one of the greatest compliments you can give us as a church. Here's number four. Number four is neighbors and nations. Again, this is a big deal to us. We make Jesus known. To who? Neighbors and nations. You know, last year we did this, uh, Kingdom Builders, we do this every year. We do it at the beginning of the year. We, we set out, uh, you, you may have had this. This is our, our pamphlet on it. But we set out, this is, this is above, so if you're new, get this. This is above and beyond our normal offering giving, our normal tithes. This is above and beyond, that people give money above and beyond what they normally give. And the reason we do is because back last year, actually, we set out a portfolio for this year. I kind of I liken it to a mutual fund. We have these different projects, different kingdom projects that are in it, and we just invest into it. The difference is this. I don't know about you. My mutual funds haven't done that well this year. This one pays dividends every year. When we invest in the kingdom, it pays dividends every year. And so this year, you all did some crazy things. We gave about $35,000 to the Life Center down in Minneapolis. It's a more local organization. Chris and Monica De Laurentiis, brothers and sisters, they're crushing it, right? Challenging ministry down there. We gave them about $35,000, right? Uh, we have uh, New Life Family Services. New Life Family Services is, is, is working strongly to protect the unborn. We gave them about $20,000. We, we have all these put together. Our goal for this year was 625000 Unfortunately, we didn't get to 625000 We got to six hundred. Yeah, 27,000. We came in over budget. And let me just tell you this, because I love to tell you this, because I'll put it in perspective. That goal that we set for this year was 20% higher than last year. Right? I mean, crazy. And so I'm just saying, that's neighbors and nations. We believe in that. Now, we, 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 we're involved in the local community. Pastor Amos is very involved in that. We have great relationships right, right now with Kennedy High School. Uh, we, we hosted a funeral for, for a, a tragic situation there because we, we want to reach our local community. We have a relationship with the high school. We have a relationship with the city. We have a relationship with the police department. I'm saying neighbors and nations. It's not one or the other. It's both. And then here's our fifth one. Life and laughter. We celebrate transform life. We celebrate transform life. If you've not been to a baptism service, you don't want to miss next week. If you haven't signed up for baptism. Now listen, I'm going to just say this and I'll step on. Everybody just pick your feet up. Everybody gets their toes stepped on. If you grew up like I did as a small child, I grew up in a really mainline denomination. And my parents had me baptized. Right? Because as a parent in that, in that that's what you do. We don't believe that's wrong. We don't believe that's wrong. What we see, and so I was baptized as an infant. What we see modeled in the scripture is that people made their own decision to follow Jesus, and then they went and got baptized. Jesus himself, as a 30-year-old man, 
submitted to it and was baptized. And so the conversation that you have simply with your family is this, and, and we've, we've done this, right? Is you say to your parents, because sometimes parents don't understand, well, we had you baptized. Why would you go get baptized? And the conversation is really simple. You say to your parents, mom, dad, I'm so grateful that you started my faith journey. I'm so grateful to God that you started that journey. What I'm doing now is I'm affirming what you did and I'm affirming that I now too have made that decision for myself and so I'm gonna be baptized. If you're somebody who said, well, I was baptized as an infant, have you made, you didn't choose that, you don't even remember it. You clearly don't remember what you wore if they hadn't held that little baptism gown for you. You don't remember that day. This is a decision that you make. You consciously say, I'm following Jesus. And we will celebrate. Next Sunday, we will celebrate those. Get signed up online, right? It's very simple. And then uh, we will all celebrate next Sunday. So the question becomes then, that's our mission, leading people from where they are, right? That's our vision. We dream of being, right? These are our five core values. So then the question becomes this, what now? Well, this year we're moving forward. We've set an ambitious budget with Kingdom Builders. Will we be getting that? It'll all be approved. This will all be communicated to you. In fact, uh, the 29th, the 29th, we'll begin. We'll do three weeks from there, and we'll, we'll begin to talk about Kingdom Builders. We'll ask you to plan. What would you do above and beyond your tithe? Start getting ready for that. We're going to do that again this year. There's going to be continued outreach in our community. We had our most successful year with outreach into the community this year. We had the most successful year we've ever had. We did lunch in the park on Thursdays. Uh, we did a variety of things. Man, some of, you, some of you are here now because we reached out in the community. And you're, you're coming to be a disciple. You're getting to know Christ. And so we're going to have continued outreach. Listen, Alpha, we are doubling down on Alpha. Now let me explain a little bit about Alpha to you. Alpha is a great, great tool for a couple things. Number one, Alpha is a great tool for people who don't know Christ. So if you're here and you have all kinds of questions, you say, I've never committed my life to Christ, Alpha's for you. Alpha's for you. Alpha's where you get to sit at the table and go, I'm not totally rejecting Christianity, but I don't know why you all believe that. Alpha is the place. You can say, why, why would I believe the Bible? You can ask that question in Alpha. You'll have discussion at tables. There's a lot of great discussion. Here's another one. Alpha is for people who've walked away from the church. You've been away from the church a long time, and now you're just coming back. Alpha is for you. Alpha will re-engage you in your faith. Uh, Alpha is for people who've been in churches a long time, but you've never really been taught. You've never really been discipled. You don't really know. Who was Jesus really? Why do we believe the Bible? Why, why do we do? Alpha is the place for you. I don't care what question you ask me. This is what I'm going to say. Alpha is for you. You may have gone to this church for, for just a short time and you don't really know anybody and you haven't got connected in a life group. Alpha is for you. You may have grown up in New Jersey and you went to band camp. Alpha, yes. It doesn't matter what situation you give me. Alpha is for you. If you've not been to Alpha, Kim and I, we went to Alpha. We've led tables at Alpha a couple times. We're going to lead an Alpha table again this term. It starts January 18th. They are always on Wednesday evenings. There is dinner there. It is at no charge to you. Register online. You're going to want to be at Alpha. And then the last thing I'll tell you is this. It's life groups. Now, when we talk about make disciples, there's a lot of different opinions on how you make disciples, and there's not a way to do it. It's this technique, and you read this. That's not the way discipleship works. It's learning about Christ. It's learning about the Scripture. It's learning what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
And so we think that's done most effectively in the context of relationships. Because we're all learning this on social media. People blurt things out on social media and people who have no relationship with you read it and they just write something nasty back because you have no relationship. These kinds of things that we're gonna talk about are best had in, 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 uh, in relationship. And life group is where you do relationship. So we encourage you, be part of a life group. Be, be, be connected to the body of Christ. And so uh, we'll tell you just a little more about life groups, but before we do that, before Pastor Amos comes up here, I want you to watch this video. Yeah, when we got married, I mean, my parents loved the Lord and introduced me to Christ, and so I always had this picture of what it looks like to be married with another person. And it was really hard coming to the realization that my expectations just were not our reality. The first couple years of our marriage were really, really tumultuous. And it was after this long period of time of me just trying to come back to the Lord and come back to my walk with Christ. And when we got married, it felt like more of a, now's the time to kind of be the man that I was you know, called to be. But there was still a lot there. There was still a lot of, you know, mental health issues that I was dealing with that I didn't know I was dealing with and, and other things. And so when we got married, it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and lollipops and everything. And we were just, you know, it was trying to, A, figure out how to be newlyweds, but also trying to overcome some of these things that I felt was just really, they were really like weighing me down and pulling me back. While we were dating too, it was a really, tough thing to try and come together in our faith because I, we grew up in church and to me that kind of meant like you're immersed in it and you want to talk about it and you want to hear about it and so when I would ask him about his relationship with the Lord he'd be like that's mine that's that's personal we don't talk about that yeah, yeah we we were on like total opposite schedules and when we would come together it was a lot of conflict, just really learning how to be married. And then after Grant was born, um, things just started to get worse with us. And about a year and a half after Grant was born, we separated because um, that was just the best option at that point. My dad left when I was real little and didn't see him the, for my whole life and just kind of was out of the picture. And that was hard. I mean, it was hard to, to figure out how to be a husband. Um, how to be a father, and that freaked me out. So three months we were apart, but doing counseling together, um, and then it was decided during that time to kind of rejoin together. There were some things that needed to change. I had quit drinking and continued seeing counseling and consider, continued doing the things that I needed to do. Um, and then we were together and doing really well. I think we were a little disillusioned at that point because we, when we separated, I was, I was a youth pastor, like I was on staff at a church. We had done youth ministry together for a long time. Um, and then like leaving that position, we had no friends. Like we <laughs> just were confused. Like how did we just pour eight plus years into this thing and we're leaving with no community? We heard that there was this super group on Wednesday and two of our 
current small group members were in supergroup as well. And then at the end of the night, they just casually were like, we should get your number and we should connect at some point. As we were on our way home, they had already started talking and discussing, okay, when are we gonna meet up? And I was like, oh, they're serious. They really like want to hang out. I think we started to think about the fact that like we could break off and do our own thing. And then Amos was instrumental in kind of like kicking us out of the nest and being like, you should go and do it. And then one week he just put us in another room and he was like, you're a group now. The husbands all get along too. So that was, that's important, right? Like they're really good friends of mine and uh, I can count on them. And we have, I mean, we've had to count on them. Like we were in a terrible car accident in January and they just all surrounded us without even having to ask. I think like taking steps towards being really the creation that God made us to be as opposed to the ones that we've been trying to like, I don't know, create for ourselves over a long period of time. Like it, it closes that gap that existed in the beginning. Like I'm over here doing my thing with God and you're over here. Like we're taking those steps closer to each other and getting on the same wavelength as each other. And yeah. I think just stepping into even more fullness. We're really putting ourselves out there and there is a possibility that I put myself out there and people say no. But what if they say yes? That is something that is worth the risk. The friendships that we've made here are were worth all of the no's that we've received. It's what God has for us. I mean, God asks us to be in community. That's part of his heart. You know, coming from such a dark place and then experiencing the healing and then even going deeper and having that next level of connection with each other, probably for the first time ever in our marriage, like we're really, really in sync. Um, I just feel hopeful. Yes. Thank you, AJ and Chrissy, for allowing us to share your story. Sometimes a video like this says it all. And I always think of when a video like that is playing, how many people are sitting there watching it and kind of see themselves in that video. One of our goals here, as Neil has mentioned to you, is to take you from the rows you sit on on Sundays and add to your life circles throughout the week. It's amazing what we get to experience together on Sunday mornings when we come and gather together and worship God together despite all that we're going through. But in addition to that, the circles when we gather throughout the week all throughout the metro area is so valuable for, for those reasons. Because life happens to all of us. You are not the only ones in that boat. All the GLs in the house, all the coaches in the house, as I continue giving some thoughts, would you make your way on the platform stand here behind me? You're familiar with this. We do this at the start of every new season. Uh, and so we're excited to start our, our next season, our winter season of life groups here at Cedar Valley. And as we always say, what makes Cedar Valley such a special ministry is not because of one or two or three really talented people, but because of the sacrifices of so many. And when we say that, sometimes it's hard to imagine, well, I want to show you the sacrifices of many. These are our group leaders and our coaches. Our group leaders have taken a commitment to be gatherers of people. It's not easy. 
You guys are so amazing. You're amazing because you gather people, you pursue people. Sometimes you're pursuing people that don't want to be caught. Every week you're calling people, texting people, emailing people. Are you guys ready? Are you coming? Are you coming? You deal with disappointment every week. We can't make it. We're going to do something else. And it's disappointing, but you continue to pursue, to, to pursue people. We're thankful to you. We call you this. We call you the shepherds of the house. You're the shepherds of the house. Proverbs uh, 27.3 uh, reminds us that we are to care for and take careful notice of the flock. And that's what you do. You care for the sheep of this house. At one time, you were a sheep of the house and then God put it on your heart to become a shepherd of the sheep. And he maybe did that because you just know the behaviors of sheep. Yeah, you're, you're in tune with the behaviors of sheep. And now as shepherds, you're kind of kind of pursuing yourself in a lot of ways, right? You kind of have to change your angle of pursuit every once in a while. You got to up the ante, right? Maybe we're not providing enough food. Let's try a different menu and see if that'll get them to show up. At, this, at some point, you're like, we'll do whatever we got to do to get you to show up to life. Because we know if you just come one time, you'll see the value of our group. You love on people better than, than, than anybody else. You love on people, especially through their times of need. And we tell group leaders this all the time. It's so true. At some point this season, your group is going to experience hardship. At some point this season, your, your group is going to experience hardship. And when that happens, God will bring out the leader within you to help your group navigate those hardships together. As we saw in the video, it happens all the time. And that's when we capitalize on showing godly community. So proud of you. Our coaches are in this, uh, this bunch as well. And our coaches are our shepherds of shepherds. You are shepherding our shepherds. You're encouraging our shepherds when they get weary. You're giving them, you're reminding them of the vision, right? You're showing them our matrix and trying to help people get into that upper right quadrant of truly experiencing discipleship, right? Coaches, we're so proud of you, 10 of you. Man, just giving of your time, so much effort in addition to your job, in addition to your attendance. Many of you are volunteering in other areas of ministry here while doing group leadership. You're busy, you're effective. Cedar Valley would not be the church it is without every single one of you. When we say Cedar Valley is a special place, not because of a few people, but because of the sacrifices of many. I just want you to know that includes every single one of you. It's amazing to know that ministry is happening. It's amazing to know that ministry is happening every single day of the week, all throughout the metro area. All throughout the metro area, we have church happening every single day of the week in all of your homes, in different buildings, sometimes in classrooms here on our campus. It's amazing how you can convert a kindergarten room into an adult life group on Wednesday nights. You guys are awesome. Proverbs 27, 23 says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. Let's continue what we've started. Let's continue knowing the state and the condition of our sheep. 
Let's continue to see the hearts of the people that we're leading, the privilege. Let's never lose sight of the privilege it is to lead other people. Let's never lose sight of the privilege it is to be chosen by God for this kind of work. It's unbelievable. I think everyone would say, I don't feel qualified to do this. But God qualified you, he called you, and he'll equip you to do the work that's necessary. Because our bullseye goal, so you know, is to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's the heart of our ministry. That is the bullseye target of this church to disciple people. So you can expect if you are not in a group to be pursued by some of these shepherds, they're gonna beg you if they have to, to get you to come and be a part of their group. And if you are not in a group, I wanna encourage you, please go to our website, go to our table, do whatever you have to do to get in godly community because that's one of our highest values at this church. Our goal is to get you out of the rows in the middle of the week and into circles with other people because we all thrive in godly community. I'd like to pray over each and every one of you. Would you bow your heads? Lord, your word declares that you are good and that you are a good shepherd. And just as shepherds provide guidance for their sheep, we pray that you, Lord, provide guidance for every group leader. I pray that you would help turn them to be more like you. Help them to know the condition of their flock. I pray that every leader gives careful attention to those they lead and that the relationship between that, those that they lead will flourish. We pray for every participant of groups this coming season that they will experience the power of God, the peace of God, and the closeness of your spirit. I pray for every leader standing on this platform this morning especially for those that feel weak. I pray supernatural strength for those feeling discouraged. I pray renewed and refreshed in their spirit. May this season be filled with joy and healing and spiritual growth. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus and together we all said, amen. Would you put your hands together this morning for all of our group leaders? and our coaches. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.